0: From Vermont Digger, I'm Mike Dougherty. This is The Deeper Dig. Today is Friday, July 27th. In a couple weeks, Vermonters will head to the polls for primary elections. In each of those races, one candidate is running a notably unconventional
1: campaign. All right, you ready to do this? Sure. Keith Stern runs a grocery store in White River Junction. Keith is a very conservative. Man, you know, he hasn't been involved much in politics, although when he sees sort of prominent political figures who aren't representing uh, the issues that he wants represented, the way he responds to that is to sort of throw his hat in the ring. Uh, so, Ethan, I'm going to call this red for you. Okay. Ethan Sonneborn, he's 14 years old. He talked about, you know, reading the Constitution in school and realizing that there was no age limit and sort of deciding that, you know, he was going to go for it. And the attorney general has since weighed in and said that this is legitimate and that he's eligible to be governor.
0: Our editor, Colin Mine, met up with both candidates last week. One thing he learned is how these two are sizing each other up.
2: Here's Keith. I think it's an absolute farce. He couldn't even sign a consent form to get on the ballot. I mean, come on! It's supposed to be the candidate signs a consent form. You don't have your mother sign the consent form. What's he gonna do if he gets into office? Uh, he can't sign any bills in the law. Uh, gonna have his mother or father sign him for him? Come on! They shouldn't have let him be on the ballot. He's he's 14. He he's not even supposed to be putting in the hours that he is, and he's probably staying up past his bedtime for some of the events
3: i don't know enough about him to say uh i disagree with him on just about everything from what i can tell and uh i think that it's always bad when a political party starts to drift further to the right so if i'm not going to wade into democratic party inter-party conflicts i'm definitely not going to wade into inter-party conflicts with the republicans but i am going to say that uh I think, uh, keep Stern is conservative enough that it's out of the mainstream with the Vermonters.
1: What made you want to reach out to these two candidates specifically? A big part of it is the fact that they're not being taken seriously by a lot of people and, you know, wanting to sort of give them the opportunity to defend their candidacies and talk about what it is that motivates them. And also both of them are probably not going to be in the race very long. So giving them a chance to sort of say their piece before we move on to the general elections in a couple of weeks. It might seem obvious, but why do you say they're not going to be in the race for very long? You know, Phil Scott, the incumbent governor, his uh, approval ratings are fairly low right now, but you know, he's a very well known politician. 94% of the state knows who he is, um, as opposed to Keith Stern. About a quarter of Vermonters who are eligible to vote know who he is. So, you know, I think that the sort of basic political calculus of it makes it very, very difficult. You know, turnout's going to be very low it's just hard to imagine a scenario where the governor does not prevail in the Republican primary. And, you know, Ethan is 14 years old. He's going up against people who have very low name recognition, but are fairly prominent people within certain circles of Vermont society. And, you know, you presume that they're raising more money. They have more sophisticated campaigns that they're just going to get more people out. But I think ultimately his age is going to be a deciding factor in that one.
0: These two sound
2: pretty different. What do they have in common?
1: Certainly, neither of them think that Bill Scott is doing a very good job as Vermont's governor.
2: Well, first of all, he's not a conservative. He's a progressive. And he really worked from a position of weakness instead of a position of power, a position of strength. He had the pot legislation. He had the gun legislation. Of course, he supported both of them. But he signed that into law and had no bargaining chips when it came down to getting the budget done you've got to have bargaining chips you got to have a position of strength to get things you want accomplished and he just let that slide away
1: so you think rather than making the commitments to weed and guns earlier on in the session he could have held on to those as part of the budget negotiations
2: absolutely yes
3: i don't give the right approach to governing I don't think you can just ignore the legislature until something winds up on your desk. And I don't think you can uh, veto budgets just because Democrats support them. You know, he's not as bad as Republicans come, and he's a good guy. I've met him. I like him as a person. I just don't think he has done—I don't think he has showed the right leadership skills or the right strength in dealing with people in his party who are farther right and who have pressured him to do some things, like his, I'm going to say, pretty radical— education plan.
1: They also, you know, they both feel like they're sort of misunderstood candidates, that people criticize them for various reasons in Keith Stern's case, that he has no place running for governor, but also that he's, you know, a one-issue candidate, which he takes issue with. His sort of big issue is taxes, although in his run against Phil Scott this time around, guns has sort of been the issue that has defined him, perhaps despite himself.
2: I never even talked about it until the gun legislation came up, and I've been asked about it. All I, all I put out was one statement that I support the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment says that people's rights won't be infringed, and I let it go with that, but um, people have been on me constantly about it, and for a lot of people, it's their only issue. And people are saying, well, I'm a one-issue candidate. But if you look at my website, look at my Facebook page, it's far from that. I'm I'm still not talking about gun legislation or regulation or anything other than to say I support uh, the Second Amendment and Article 16. And they are both very clear that people's rights to own won't be infringed. Uh, people have the right to defend themselves.
1: And Ethan, obviously, he says that people sort of see his campaign being a joke and that he's sort of mocking the system and he says that's not the case, that he is a legitimate candidate and wants people to take him seriously.
3: We know what happens when we elect the same old kind of politicians. We know what happens when uh, we elect politicians who have been uh, working within the system as adults their entire lives. There is a misconception that I'm mocking the process. I'm not mocking the process, I'm running for governor. It's time for a new generation of leadership. And if my age is really going to uh, stop you from voting for practical progressivism, then I'm sorry to have lost your vote. But this is a legitimate campaign and we're advocating on issues that matter.
0: You mentioned their opinions on specific issues. Let's talk about some of those. What did they tell you about legalization of marijuana?
1: Yeah, Ethan Sonneborn is all for it. You know, uh, he says now there's partial legalization, there should be full legalization, and that people who want to smoke are going to smoke, and we might as well make sure that it's safe.
3: I support a tax and regulate system uh, because I don't think it makes sense to be able to have marijuana but not to be able to buy it. I think we need to tax it because that brings in revenue, and I think we need to regulate it because we need to make sure that marijuana is safe. We tax virtually everything else, and we need to tax marijuana too.
1: For Keith Stern, he didn't agree with the partial legalization, and he doesn't necessarily agree with full legalization, but the most important thing to him is that voters have a chance to weigh in on it.
2: Every other state that's legalized it, the voters had a chance to put in their say, and we didn't give them that opportunity. And as governor, if the legislature decides to go further to uh, do the tax and regulate, I'm going to insist that um, voters get heard first and have them educated both sides of the issue and then use some kind of mechanism to let them be heard. I mean, right now we don't have the ability to let them be heard, but we could do it through even just a poll, an online poll somehow.
0: What do they tell you about their stance on gun policy?
1: Ethan Sonneborn is very much with the sort of mainstream of his party in saying that taking guns away from people is not what he wants, but he does think that there's a value in putting restrictions on certain high-capacity magazines, and that that's not going to fix the whole problem, but it's a step in the right direction.
3: I'm not talking about the cops busting down your door and taking all your guns. That's hyperbolic rhetoric from the other side of the narrative. But I do think that... uh, the guns uh, are a long-term solution. You can pull the trigger all day, but if you don't have access to uh, high-capacity magazines and ammunition, that's an effective short-term solution. Is to limit access to the uh, part of the gun that does the actual killing.
1: Keith Stern said that he doesn't like to be defined by that issue, but that he, you know, is very much aligned with the sort of sportsmen's groups who have come out against pretty much any form of gun control.
2: Oh, I have have no problem. These are law-abiding citizens that um, are just using their guns for sport, uh, target shooting, hunting, um, whatever, collecting. There's no mass murderers in any of these people, so I have no problem standing with them at all.
1: And how much do you think it helps you in the race against the primary, against Governor Scott? To sort of be seen as you know the candidate who is allied with that point of view
2: it's a good question um, ask me August fifteenth and I can give you a better answer because there's some people that are are mad at me for taking a stance like that, and there's a lot to support me for then you get those that want to write in a Democrat on the on the ballot because they think I don't I'm not strong enough on (laughs) gun legislation. I mean, uh, my position is absolute that the constitutions have to be followed. What was their argument about taxes?
1: You know, Keith Stern, many times, you know, he circles back to cutting taxes as sort of his main issue. You know, he wants taxes cut on businesses. He thinks that the reason that a lot of people are not investing in Vermont is because of the high taxes. He thinks that there's too much red tape.
2: Well I'd like to see the property tax go down by running the schools more efficiently, but I'd like to see the sales tax decrease, and if we can work it out, eliminate it completely so the um, businesses along the border, the New Hampshire border could be competitive and well you you see right here in in the Upper Valley the difference between Vermont and New Hampshire for business, um, if we're competitive we could bring some of that business to Vermont.
1: Ethan Sonneborn he said that he's for progressive tax that presumably that would be increasing taxes on the wealthiest Vermonters and that you know again with the mainstream of his party that that's an important way of sort of investing in the state's future.
3: Here's what I think. I think that middle-class families and working-class families There might come a time when it is absolutely imperative to the strength of our economy that we give them tax relief, but we're not going to do it by cutting taxes across the board because then the state's just going to hemorrhage money. The national tax legislation is an excellent example of what we wouldn't do. Taxes are a complex issue, but when it comes down to it, middle-working class families shouldn't be choosing between paying their taxes, and, uh, you know, sending their kids to college. What do they tell
0: you about what they see as the state's relationship to what the Trump administration's doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they had fairly predictable positions on the president in some ways. Keith Stern said that he didn't vote for Donald Trump, but now that he is in office, you know, that he agrees with his sort of law and order approach to immigration.
2: I'm a constitutionalist, so... On immigration, we have to follow the Constitution. We shouldn't be allowing illegals to come here. So I would work with ICE. It's just the right thing to do. You know, there's a, there's a legal way to get to this country, a, a procedure to get here. And if they're not willing to follow it, then you got to go back.
1: And did you vote for Donald Trump?
2: No. No, because I thought he was going to be a liberal. <laughs> I was convinced that he was going to be a New York liberal, like Ted Cruz said, and I didn't want to see a liberal as president. I like some of the things he's done. I think he's done a lot of good. I'm not convinced about the tariffs. I, I don't see them helping, but I might be wrong. Maybe he knows what he's doing there.
1: And Ethan Sonneborn, you know, sees himself as being in a very different position on almost everything from the president and said that he wouldn't engage in Twitter battles with the president if he were governor, but he would certainly stand up on issues that matter to Vermonters.
3: I think it would be counterproductive for me as governor to spend all my time engaging in rhetoric or getting into Twitter battles with Donald Trump. But I will say this, I was a Bernie Sanders supporter and then a Hillary Clinton supporter. I believe that beyond our politics, Donald Trump is unfit to be president. I believe that he uh, has really, I believe he's betrayed the people who elected him. I believe he's betrayed working class families, people who really thought he could make change in the system. But I, like I said before, I'm not running for federal office. So I won't have a say in whether we impeach Donald Trump or uh, whether we pressure him to resign. But I will say this. If I am governor and Donald Trump does something that hurts Vermonters, I will speak up. And I will will be abundantly clear that I won't just issue lukewarm statements of disagreement with the president when he's wrong.
0: You asked each of them why run for governor and not look for some down ticket race that might be more attainable. What'd they tell you?
1: Yeah, their answers to this surprised me a bit in both cases. Keith? talked about how he's from Windsor County which has some very liberal legislators and that he'd pretty much have no chance running for local offices so and that if he were to win that office that he'd basically be battling with his constituents on you know their sort of ideas about everything throughout his term
2: number one my views would not get me elected number two if i managed to get elected I'm going to be clashing with them full-time, and I I just wouldn't have the um, patience to struggle to be heard among the liberal voices there. As governor, they would really have to listen to me, you know, because it would be a partnership instead of um, I'm one of, you know, whatever amount, depending on if it was the Senate or the House.
1: Ethan said that he respects the legislators and who are running this year uh, wouldn't necessarily want to compete with them but also recognizes that he has a very non-traditional candidacy and thinks that a statewide platform is a better place to make the points that he's trying to make
3: i'm confident that any of the four democratic candidates running for the two house seats here would uh, be exceptional and i think that when you're running a campaign as unconventional as mine you need to spread your message. And I think the only way to do that was by getting people around the state to understand what I was aiming for and why it was important to get more people involved in the process.
0: We've talked about why on paper their campaigns are unconventional, but how much do the two of them acknowledge that their campaigns are unconventional?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you ask them questions about sort of how they're going about campaigning and what their strategies are, it sounds very conventional, right? They're talking about going out and meeting the voters and letting them know what their ideas are. Obviously, for Ethan Sonneborn, it's a bit different because he's got to ask someone for a ride whenever he wants to go outside of uh, Bristol to meet the voters. And, you know, Keith said that he's trying to get around the state to talk to people. And, you know, both of them are taking part in the debates that are starting this week. So, you know, they both resemble fairly standard campaigns. I think it's more about the individual that's sort of out of the ordinary. It seems like with both of them, there's sort of a contradiction where they
0: won't cop to being long shot candidates. But at the same time, being unconventional and being a non-traditional politician is kind of
1: part of their pitch. Yeah, absolutely. They both sort of say that they're fed up with politics as usual, that they, when you push them on what makes them a legitimate candidate, they said that the politicians that Vermont has been electing for governor, particularly Phil Scott, uh, isn't doing a good job. It's not working. You know, Phil Scott's a very sort of experienced politician. He served a number of terms in the Senate. Um, So, you know, if someone like that isn't doing a good job, then why not uh, wing it and vote for someone who's completely out of the ordinary and and has a totally different perspective on the whole process?
3: I don't think age matters. I think whether your ideas are current or new. That matters. I think the age of your ideas matters. I don't think the age of the candidate matters. I think my message resonates, regardless of the messenger.
0: So when you say new generation, you don't strictly mean younger people? No,
3: I mean a new generation of ideas. I mean, uh, people running for office who have never run for office before, who don't look like most elected officials, who uh, don't feel like most elected officials, and who don't have the same background as most elected officials. We need new people, not young people.
2: All I can say is you have to, I don't know, take a chance, have faith. I mean, I don't know what else to tell them. I mean, we can see Phil Scott had lots of experience. Peter Shumlin had lots of experience. And from my point of view, they're both failures as governors. So they can see my positions, and I'm strong-willed. I take a stand, and um Unless somebody can convince me that my stance is wrong or give me a better way of doing something, I will stay with it. I will make sure my administration follows it. And, you know, that's the way I have to govern. I I can't tell anybody any more than that, you know.
1: That's kind of their key message to voters. Yeah, sure. That, you know, if you're fed up with the way things are going now, then, you know, take a risk, which I would say has some parallels to our president as well. Thanks, Colin. Thanks so much.
0: The primary elections are August 14th. Starting next week, head to vtdigger.org elections to check out our voter guides and all of our recent coverage. You can hear more from Keith, Ethan, and their opponents in our two primary forums with CCTV. The Republican Forum is on our site now, and the Democrat Forum will stream live on Thursday, August 2nd. We'll have highlights from both events on next week's podcast. If you subscribe to our feed, you'll hear that episode first. Just search for The Deeper Dig wherever you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe. We'll be back next week with more stories from The Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend.